UFC 192 is in the books. Daniel Cormier is still a decided champion. Which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is way easier from outside the cage. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, of course, the busiest man in the first slice meme office, <laughs> Raf Esparza. Raf, how are you doing this evening? Kevin, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I know. Thank you. It's great. I'm glad to be here. All that good stuff. I don't think you really hit the, the intro. Do you want me to go redo that real quick? Sure. Okay. Yeah, Absolutely. Do you want to cue me in like a like a five four? It, it's time. Dun, dun, dun. Hey everybody! I just want to welcome you guys to the number one 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 podcast of all time. You know, this is me. This is just AJ Anagram. Just telling you guys what it is that we, you know. Like this is great and it's stupendous. And I appreciate your AJ impression. Thank you. I do. It sounds like him, and it sounds like a slightly better version of what he should have done <laughs> while commentating for Flow Grappling. All right. While watching our this? friend Gary Let's Tonin tear back. up the mats. So our good friend AJ Agazarm uh, was doing commentary this weekend. Now, Kev, yes, having he done was. a little commentary, I know it is a high stress. It is a, a high pressure situation. It's not easy. No. Doesn't look easy. And a lot of the times you're not going to make everybody happy. Uh, sure. But you're also, I wouldn't say it's the announcer's job to necessarily make people happy so much as to facilitate the show. Sometimes, you know, I mean, there's something to be said about good color commentary folks. You know, sometimes you want to provide that spark to get people to tune back in, make people excited, to throw them off their edge a little bit. Maybe... Uh, you know, give them something unexpected because there are so many people who do commentary exactly the same. That, that's something that I try and find. You know, where is it that I fit in? How do I do something a little different that somebody else isn't doing? I would say that AJ gave us something, something a little different. different. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that's where that was going. I was like, that's different. a play way. Yeah. Interesting. I think he showed the value of rehearsing. Okay. Um, I think he also showed the value of maybe running some, I, and here's what I'll say as, uh, it, to take people behind the scenes of what professional speakers look like or, or a semi-amateur comedian, you got to practice that shit. You got to bounce it off people. You got to do it in front of mirrors. You have to have a decided voice going into the performance and that performance voice should go through some some <laughs> un until you are think of yourself as a blue belt when it mm -hmm. comes to talking to people most of you in the world are Don't white belts like but i'm saying there are certain <laughs> things you wouldn't want a blue belt doing like a flying arm bar without a tremendous amount of rehearsal preparation and landing time kevin's and, alluding to something that i think is very true and I think it holds true for Kevin and I. Kevin and I, in case you don't know us, welcome. Uh, but also, you know, Kevin and I have done speech and debate. It's kind of where we made our bread and butter as college guys. We, we competed every week, much like people do in jiu-jitsu. We were ranked every single week. We had lots of criticism and we had a lot of uh, learning experiences from there. So we've, we've put in the time. We've also given a lot of crisis management in our own professional jobs to companies and individuals who have helped 
and done other things for other people. So like we, we're not coming out of nowhere here. So for us, we, we come from a good place. And I, we have I sought after communicatory opinions. Absolutely. And I, I kind of give the following analogy. If let's say a black belt saw me about to do a sweep, it didn't look quite right. Most of the time, the black belt would say, hey, you know, there's an easier way to do that. Or maybe you might want to try that. Consider it kind of like this, but for speaking. So here are our unsolicited tips. Take them if you want. You don't have to. I would just say, you know, we're excited for flow grappling. I think there's a lot of talk about do people want to pay 20 bucks a month, uh, which is fine. That's fair criticism. I think that's a marketplace issue. But I think in terms of making people feel at home for one of your first events, especially for an IBJJF one, you definitely want to bring them in. And I understand the inherent want and need to give them something different. But it sounded like he was doing what I like to call uh, a hot mixtape voice. I think you're still giving it a little bit more (laughs) cleanliness. I don't think it blurred any specific line. I think that's why people had varying opinions on how and wow are people so specific about their opinions raf can i just say internet calm down a little bit (laughs) like uh you can here's my problem with anything when people really get upset hit the mute button yeah like hit mute (laughs) i cannot stand the view raf so you know what i do when it's on i ignore it i don't watch wait you were talking about the view the one in the morning the daytime one yes that's what you're comparing this to? Um, and why are you watching that? One, I work for a communication company, specifically okay. dealing with the cable meal you. So it's always on. Cable mm-hmm. is, not always the view. I'm just using... I mean, I was also... Remember, there was a while where I was working from home, then visited my mother. Oh, my God. So, I, yeah, I've been watching a little bit of the view. And the kitchen, or the cooks, or the... St- no, it's not the, the soup. It's the chew. Kevin. The chew. The mm. chew. That's the, it's the chew. Wow. Any ethos that we had worked to build <laughs> as communication scholars is now out the window. I actually think people are going to be more on my side than I struggled to remember the chew. I think you're like, well, that guy's definitely got a job. I guess so. I will say that when you are doing this sort of stuff, uh, I think the funnier part to me was – in terms of the response and the blowback, and people are welcome to say they don't like it. Again, marketplace. It's what people show. It's how they demonstrate if they want something like this again, if they don't want something like this again. And there were people who really dug the the commentary. I think what they dug was AJ's passion he was putting into it. So props for that. On the other side, the people who didn't like it, more than welcome to voice their opinions. But those select few who were putting down and saying that he sounded like he was Down syndrome is a little extreme. We'll start there. I feel those are the same people who jump to the Hitler defense anytime they're in an argument, which is really weird because I don't care what political side you're on. Anytime you hear somebody go, that's just like Hitler. And you yeah. Go, yeah. No, I'm the same way. It's always oh, like, okay. oh, well, I'm tuned the fuck out. Like, Great. shut up. Great. You've uh... Charles Manson was working on being like Hitler. That is one of the few times that analogy works. I didn't know uh, Michelle Obama's 
choice to get people not fat is like Hitler, <laughs> but okay. No, no, it's socialism, Raph, and that's what killed all. That's what killed people. Socialism, absolutely. All of the the fatties. That was where they got it first. <laughs> so anyway, that was kind of our thing. If we were to offer some unsolicited advice, as we are, I would say this: use your natural tone. If you're gonna hype it up, you're gonna have enthusiasm no matter what. And people know when you're using a fake voice. So one of the things that we worked really hard in speech to do is to learn how to amplify our voices by just speaking in a conversational voice. Is that not the hardest thing to do in, Kev, in speech, Kev? Every day. It's hard. It's hard so every day. to really teach people that when you have your robot voice, you are speaking from memorization, robot, robot. Like nobody wants to hear that. But if you're able to kind of project and use your voice and find – what is your conversational voice that usually tends to get people both excited if you're excited because they'll tell it's a very easy thing. And with jujitsu, it's hard not to get really amped when it's a great fight, especially when you have something as uniquely weird as Gary Tonin losing to a single handed wrist lock, Kevin. Which I have to know more about. I, well, I mean, we'll obviously talk to Gary at some point, but uh, he I was didn't going know up, he. I honestly didn't know that was possible with Gary. Uh, I mean, I think Gary, if you are reading his comments, he said that he just yelled out, and that he knew the rules, but he was stupid for yelling out, and that people are going to make fun of him forever, and that they should be right to make fun of him. But I have to say, on behalf like, of, it's not that I don't know that I don't find it like comical. Well, I mean, Gary's always really hard on himself. Oh, so okay. I was like, you know, sure. There's that. But I would also say, Kev, we are partly responsible for it because verbal tap. Yeah. The misconception is is that Gary tapped out, but in actuality, he was just giving a shout out to us. And so I bear a lot of responsibility and I feel really bad uh, because, you know, he shouldn't be punished for saying how much he likes us in such an enthusiastic and, ah, you know, yelping way, but he did. And thank you, Gary. We appreciate that. Uh, Kev, what is your note, if you were to give one? To Gary? No. Oh. Yeah. Please give Gary a <laughs> I was like, note. I don't have one. Don't give uh, him a wrist lock, dick. I, and I don't even, it sounds like if he does, if he's like, I didn't, I wasn't really ready to tap, it just hurt a little bit. It's like, be quiet, I guess. I don't That's... <laughs> I'm sure people have been telling him that. My advice to AJ or to mm-hmm. Flow Grappling? Uh, you can do either, both, whatever. Hmm. I guess I'll go a little bit. One, to Flow Grappling and AJ. Okay. Um, if I can only comment behind the people I know that do commentary, they usually put it scrupulous time in front of people, sort of perfecting that voice. Uh, so just make sure they're having a nice production meeting, and I would include someone that is trained or versed in the speaking arts because I guess, let me say, no one would use, if you brought someone a tablet that was the size of a flat screen TV, you're like, oh, it does everything you need. It calls everyone here. Just use this. People would never take it um, because it's not what we value. We like the small, sleek cell phone. That's <laughs> easier to carry. Um, communication is the same way. So if you try and send a beautiful message in a, in a huge bulky box, it's not going to get through. And that was your flow grappling one. Yes. That was my flow grappling one. Okay. What's your one for AJ? Talk like a normal person. Oh my God. (laughs) 
What do you mean he didn't talk like a normal person? He knows how to talk. I've talked to him on the air. He knows how to do it. That's true. I would say this. Do that. Don't do the other thing. Because the hard part is I was like, again, as a speech guy, Kev, I think listeners on this show know I'm no stranger to doing impressions. That's obviously true. Yes. Okay. And when I do it. No stranger is a grotesque understatement. (laughs) I enjoy it. But part of the art is learning to control your voice and, and to really manipulate it. You don't sound like everybody. Like I don't necessarily sound like Dana White, but you find where you can make it work. And you, you have to test it. You have to go a little bit with it. It just sounded like with what AJ was doing, it sounded like he was doing – he was making a stylistic vocal choice that made it go somewhere in between a pride commentator and a pro wrestler. With a slight slur. Sure. But it was just – it was an interesting choice. I would not recommend that again. And I would say to those people who really enjoyed it, that's awesome. And I would take that as a good encouraging sign that they endorse you. Absolutely. But not necessarily that they will continue to endorse that choice. They may want something different, but I think there's enough feedback to make a stylistic choice for something else. And here's what we can guarantee. What's that? To AJ. Mm -hmm. People will be listening. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So first beautiful part. of this. Yeah, this is the great news about all this. People are going to be tuned in more than ever waiting for. What's next? And my advice would be, you know, bring him in with the rope of dope. But now let's go ahead and use use that beautiful, charismatic jawline that we know exists. That what quiet if I were to confidence. Say this, Kev, what if he was doing the rope of dope this time? What if the next event is really where he unleashes AJ, the commentator? Then he's a semi genius. Okay, semi genius. He talked to a PR professional before, and I would say, and one that's. Got a real slippery slope on the whole second Jan syndrome, so. Well, just wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. You thought that the, that the, that was the best thing ever. But just wait, you guys. The remix. <laughs> That's wrong. Um, what else do we have on the docket here? Uh, do you want to talk about me throwing cold steel like a man? Not particularly. Okay, well, I did. You can talk about it. Go for it. I threw a tomahawk, and I would like to say it was, uh, while drunk and on edibles, I said that it was because I can't train jujitsu right now, so I was working on that outlet. I don't believe that is actually the case. I think the tomahawk (laughs) just looked really cool. Um, But I I showed Raph a slow-mo video of me putting one in the trunk. Had a good time. And what was my response? Uh, you sent me a link to your first slice article. That's like, true. It was a good response. I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was mostly Kevin doing that, sending me a, like a video of it and me saying, promote this. <laughs> Don't waste my fucking time. Promote my fucking article. That's great. Maybe in between hatchet throws, you can <laughs> throw this out and do a little work. Uh yeah, I guess I, I guess I could. So we're we've got over under Kevin coming up and we're That's definitely going to talk to Jesse and we're going to get into all things um going on with the UFC. We talked a little bit about the pans that went on. Gary obviously mm-hmm. had a uh, very good show, so did the Meow brothers. Mm-hmm. 
I uh, took a little look-sees at some results today. Not a lot of... Did you find it bizarre that we didn't see a lot of the West Coast fighters? Uh, not a lot of West Coast fighters are really going to come out that way. Very few. Though. Yeah. Even for well, no hands, which is surprising only because, I guess, let me say this, and this might be an indictment of IBJJF, which is great. That's fine. The, the big no-gi hitters... And with the resurgence, I, I don't know, resurgence, the popularity of no-gi grappling, people still aren't going to no-gi pans almost mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I think the most interesting thing, and I don't, we actually didn't have a chance to talk about this, but we really should. Our good friend, Christian Woodmancy, did you see what he did? No. I think you will be entertained by this because this was really interesting. Now, Kev, you've competed. You know what it's like when, say, you feel like the ref maybe awards points when they're not deserved. Sure. Happens. Okay. Have Has there ever been a situation where you thought, oh, man, I think I or somebody I'm watching deserved points that weren't awarded out? All the time. Okay. I don't even know how to fully articulate. Yes. Okay. So you, you feel like that's something that happens regularly. Sure. Yeah, okay. people. Okay. And it's tough because, you know, you got to in some ways sympathize with the ref. They don't see everything. And sometimes there are very, very different disagreements that happen in these settings. So what if I were to tell you our good friend, Christian Woodmancy, uh, was in the middle of uh, competing and – his opponent was not awarded points. It was two points he was supposed to get. I okay. would say it happens. Okay. So he's supposed to get awarded two points. And uh, Christian sees that he doesn't get the points and ends up kind of sitting down so that his opponent can then get the two points he was deserved. No way. Mm-hmm. So check this out. It's actually covered. I just sent Kevin a link over to... BJJ Eastern Europe, which uh, put this up. So he was winning. There was 2-0, three minutes left in the fight. And uh, he was uh, going on for uh, Wallace Santos was attacking a, a toehold. Uh, while Christian wasn't defending the toehold, he was literally attempting to pull himself up and his opponent away from the mat so that the fight would not be sta- stopped. The ref stopped the action, then restarted both athletes in the center where no points, no advantages, or penalties were given to either athlete. So Wallace was making the signal that he should have been awarded points. Christian spoke directly toward the ref, stating that Wallace should be given the two points. And, uh, yeah, at that point, didn't give a shit, kept going. So uh, at that point, Woodmancy spoke to Santos while circling the mat, ref, (laughs) and sat guard while Wallace had his leg and unintentionally gave up the sweep so his opponent can be given the two points he thought he should have been awarded. Well, Christian Woodmancy's an awesome guy. So that's pretty cool. That is cool. I just thought that would be something to talk about. Unfortunately, uh, Wallace claimed victory two points and one advantage to Christian's two points and zero advantages. Uh, So, you know, Christian was saying, hey, look, if I'm going to win, I'm going to win on my terms. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose on my terms. And Kev, don't you have to give it up to him for that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you you do, I do, maybe not Keenan does. 
probably not, no. But Keenan's also been at the victim of the not getting those points a lot, so I think he's probably got a slightly different perspective. Would you like to know what Keenan said? Yeah. So after about this point, you know, you figure this is your your training partner. This is somebody that you work with, right? Yes. Well, it's about this point that Keenan razzes him a little bit, right? As he's wont to do. Yes, as is Keenan's wont to do. And this is, of course, as people like, um, you know, like Kit Dale saying there needs to be more people like you. And people like going off and on. Keenan basically said, LOL, you spent $400 on a ticket registration and hotel to give it to another guy. Why didn't you just write him a check? <laughs> well, Keenan's got away with words. I'm surprised he went kind of financially. I mean, failed with know. the insults like that feels a little. I'll say um, this. I, I like this, and this was Christian's response. It was, you know, if I'm not good enough to win a fight regardless of what the ref decides to call and not call, then it really doesn't matter. I'm not interested in winning in any way other than submitting someone. I was able to – I was unable to submit anyone. So, you know. Okay. Props to uh, Well, I guess here's what I would say. Uh, I'd take the fucking – just keep fighting. Let the referee worry about the points is my only <laughs> – just one of those things where it's like yeah but what if the what if you were wrong what if the ref's like i didn't think the toehold was that close sorry <laughs> the, the ref sits down over some acai being like bruh really you weren't gonna tap to it like that's my only issue there it's just like well okay you're kind of asserting that you definitely know more than the referee i guess i i in a sport where nobody fucking cares i guess is the only counter to i don't take anything away and i love christian i love his heart but don't worry about the points while you're fighting yeah so worry about what i would say uh as fans we just say thank you very much christian but i also won't be fighting in that type of environment so for me the concept is much less attainable you better believe that if it was me in that situation i would have been like what two points who's Who's two points? I've never even heard of that. Let's keep fighting. Afterwards, I'd shake the guy's (laughs) hand. I'd be like, you so deserve those two points. But I so wasn't going to tell him about it. So, oops. Thanks. Bye. That's funny, though. I love Christian. Yeah. Good people. Great people. Yes. But we should get uh, over to Jesse. We should. And I'm really excited to uh, ask some questions about you. Survival is time. All right. Well, as you guys know, uh, last week was, uh, well, just this weekend was the pay-per-view. It was UFC 192. Kev, you did not watch it. We've already talked a little bit about that, right? Correct. Okay, but you have questions. I have a few questions, yes. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to take your questions now because we're going to introduce our guest, which is uh, Jesse from WB Survival. Jesse, you played famously against Kevin last week and over under Kevin. How are you feeling right now? Do you know the results? And if you do, don't say what they are. 
I do know the results, and I don't want to say how I feel because then that may be alluding to the results. Wow, but, what okay. a great guest. So just instead, uh, flex, if you could, for the listeners. Mm-hmm. I'm panicking. I'm flexing. <laughs> I'm hashtagging. That's still my favorite picture. I th- you're rocking the guns. At least, you know, at least he's got them. We'd saying. also like to say thank you to Brian Lopez for allowing us the ability to use that photo. Brian, uh, you know, Brian, guy. Brian didn't have any real conditions for us to use that, especially once he heard that we were making fun of somebody who panic flexed. <laughs> he was like, "That's that ridicule needs to be out there, so I will contribute my, my art gladly. And his one word to me was just, Pulitzer. Keep in mind, one word. Pulitzer. Get him. Yeah. <laughs> so I felt like I was doing really the best kind of journalistic work I could possibly do. Uh, have you gotten any blowback from the panic flex over in your neck of the woods? Because a lot of people have seen that photo now. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's becoming quite a, a little bit of a, a cult phenomenon amongst my friends and uh, into my family a little bit. My wife just uh, likes to randomly text it to me throughout the day, just to remind me that it exists. <laughs> can she add us to that text message? Can can everybody sure. get it on that thread? Of course, of course. <laughs> I like that he's like, and some of my family, uh, mm-hmm. his wife. Yeah. Some of my family. They're, you know, like my mom's like, oh, well, at least you look cute. Like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> the other thing is, when your wife is sending it to you, do you not feel a certain kind of, pride. I don't know, not pride, Kev. It's not pride. Do you feel a certain sense of not just regret, but what's the word? Shame? Shame. Do you feel any shame there? And not really. Um I mean, there's like some mild feelings of regret, mm-hmm. but um, by and large, my wife's the funniest person that I know. So whenever she sends me those types of text messages, it's nothing but laughs. Wow, somebody funny in the family. I didn't know there was one. Anyway, look, you know, we didn't just bring you on to ridicule you. Don't worry, though. We will do that plenty. Uh, we did bring you on to talk a little bit of UFC 192 results. I'm going to before... I ask you how you felt about the show. I'm going to ask Kevin, do you have any questions to start us off about UFC 192? Yes. Is Sage Northcutt a real person or perhaps, just perhaps, an avatar of what people think a fighter should look like? Jesse, that one's all to you first. Well... Obviously, he's a real person. I mean, there are pictures of him. He had physical I've seen contact them. with someone else. I'm still not convinced. Uh, Doesn't he I look airbrushed? Like, couldn't someone, in theory, have just gotten him completely in? Maybe we're just all really addicted to technology. I'm just posing theories. But you say he's real. I feel like he's real. Um, I mean, I hate to uh, to keep bringing it back up. My wife had the funnier joke about it on Saturday that he looked like an overprivileged teen who killed his parents on American Justice from 1995. So that, in and of itself, for me, was reason enough to believe that that's a real person and that they they exist. You do remember when you tweeted that out? I said it was a dark joke, <laughs> and yet you well, proceeded you to bring it, it along with yeah. us yeah. because you're yeah. like, oh, guys, hold on, hold on, yeah. Your your UFC 192 expert here, he's got this on lock. He looked basically like a Melendez brother, but that's no problem here. Uh, 95 humor, guys. Go back and 
yeah. visit that time. It was a rough time for the court systems. Hey, you know, I know that happened. I know he looked ridiculous. He did have a good win. But uh, Francisco Rivera, let's talk about this for a second here, Kev. So you voted for him on this, right? Yes. Okay. Well, not only was huge it a bad mistake. sign. Huge well, mistake. Not just huge, Kev. He came in huge because he was 160 at a 155 weight category. That's and Raf, uh, you know I don't I don't do a lot of math. Mm-mm. It's never been the big thing, but that's too many. It is too many percent. Very good, Kevin. Now, not only is it too many percent, but that also means that when he ended up losing, he was contesting the fact that he wasn't out. And I mean, Sage was so fast. I had that reaction that I have when I'm watching and I go, no, 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 no. The fight's over. Just anybody can stop this now. We're done. We don't need to see anymore. And he's beating the shit out of him so fast that when Sage gets pulled off of him, Francisco goes over and uh, he pushes the ref. Why? Because he's pissed. He thought that he still was in the fight. Interesting. Mm hmm. I lo- First of all, can you get kicked out completely for pushing the ref? Uh, well, according to Dave Scholler from the UFC PR department in the post presser, eh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Depends well, on how fucking Dana White feels that fucking day. Well, I mean, Dana was not there. And that's how you know things are especially great. Uh, so they asked Dave Scholler, and they're like, we're going to group together Monday, and then we're going to do something. I love that about Dave Scholler's uh, pressers in general. It's just mostly, uh, I'm going to definitely find out what what Dana will have to say about that. And I'm going to, I'll, I'll let them say it. You better believe that I, mm-hmm, I have a thing that I think about this and that I can't wait to find out about. I've obviously thought about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have to get back to you. <laughs> so I don't know if you saw it. Did you actually see the push to the ref? It was Herb Dean, by the way, but did you see the push to the ref, Jesse? No, I didn't. It, actually, this is the first I've heard about that because I was just kind of so thrilled that, uh, Northcott won in such a incredible fashion with that barrage of fists. I didn't see the push at all. Now, I describe it as it was happening so fast I wanted them to quickly end it. How would you yeah. describe how quickly that fight ended, just for Kevin's it, edification? It, it was as close to a Dragon Ball Z fight as I think you can get in real life with how fast yeah. the fists were going. <laughs> I and his hair makes that an apt analogy. Well, I I didn't want to give away too much of a nerd factor, but yeah. <laughs> uh Northcutt's hair, obviously. Everybody right. was making different claims. Uh MMA Roasted was the first to really start making the allegation of this is what the baby between AC Slater and Zach Morris would have looked like. Uh-huh. And uh I think the internet ran with it. I thought he looked like Guile from Street Fighter. I, I feel like it, the uh, the Kendall um, the Kendall claymation video that I saw come out today was pretty pretty accurate. If you haven't I mean, seen that, it's... don't get me wrong, the Kendall claymation those things those claymations are amazing. However, when he did and Kev, I don't know if you saw this clip, he did a forward flip, like a super fast forward flip. That's the equivalent of a backflip, but forward. It didn't look human. It didn't look real. I was like, what the fuck am I looking at, kid? And this is when I started being like, oh, he's the real deal. He does the forward flip, and I go, no, 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 kid, kid, calm down. 
<laughs> now you're just showing off. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Move along. Move, move your ass along. Yep. Okay. Well, at least we've answered some questions about the realness. <sighs> yes, you did. So anyway, uh, so there is that. Let's start at the biggest fight of the night, which was the main event. And Jesse, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to just describe your reactions uh, to this fight. Well, when the fight was going uh, into the championship rounds, I was starting to get to be a little bit nervous. Um, from the onset, you know, it seemed to be that Cormier and uh, Gustafson were, were trading blows pretty well, but I, I was starting to worry about um, Cormier's gas tank going into his championship rounds and, you know, how much uh, energy he'd be able to have left to kind of utilize his wrestling. But um, as it turns out, it happened to be enough. It came down to a split decision that they awarded to Cormier, and my immediate reaction was to Ric Flair strut through my living room because I believe that I was the only person that I spoke to over the last week that picked Cormier to win. <laughs> no, you weren't. Vegas odds, I think, pretty much had him winning as well. And I love that you strut around like Ric Flair when it's a split decision. That's good stuff. Uh, I would like to say this. Jesse, are you near a computer right now? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to send you something uh, on your phone. I want you to look at it very quickly. I'm going to turn it over to Kevin in just a second. But, Kev, what's your first question to me about this fight? Because I know you have many. I I do have many. A really ridiculously good fight, if I can put that out there first. Was that one of the most insane takedowns? Slash landings from the Cormier Gustafson like live was that amazing? Did people lose their minds? I think a lot of people were they were mystified with what they were seeing. <laughs> Those guys weighed two hundred and thirty pounds at the time of this fight. That's some impressive shit. Keep in mind though, we've seen this with you know DC and Dan Henderson, so it's not like it's unheard of. It was just scary. I guess for me, I was also impressed by Gustafsson's like, well, I guess we're going the other way. And I thought he really did a good job lessening the impact. Well, there's not much you can do, but what you might be. You got tons of options there, Raph. You could try and tell him a joke. uh, Mm -hmm. See if he's heard of a good accountant. Like maybe you have a money guy. I think I put that night when I was live tweeting. uh, He said, you know, what was Gustafsson thinking? And I said, you know, I think he was thinking I can see the top of the stadium from here. And that was about as close as I was getting to a real answer because it, it was so violent and it happened so quickly. And it looked really bad. Jesse, did you think it was possibly going to end right then and there? Yeah, uh, there were a few times in, in, during the fight where I thought that uh, it could be finished. And that, that one in particular with uh, that big slam from D.C., there's also a um, – uh, a time, and I don't really recall exactly what round it is, but it looked like uh, Gustafsson had a, had a chance to finish as well. I think it was in the third round. So, Kev, first round, DC's pushing the action. Second round, Gustafsson's actually making a pretty good run here. Um, it's maybe not the most ridiculous round, but it, we're getting to a point now where Gustafsson can actually take down Daniel Cormier. And a lot of people, I would think zero people, predicted that. Now, that that did seem bizarre. I saw that in the highlight. He did he surprise him? Was it like one of those I punched him in the face and then took him down? I think it's just one of those people looked at it and said, "If you're DC, you go. Ah, I got this. This is no problem." But 
it was just with the velocity and the commitment from Gustafsson that you really you had to hand it to him. I mean, it was a, a greatly timed takedown. It's about as good of a timing as you would ever need. Now, the part that Jesse's referring to, and now correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it was the third round where Gus rocked DC, and I think it might have been with a knee, especially yeah, that kind of rocked him back, and then he started like connecting really, really good with a series of strikes. Yeah, it was a it was a big right knee, and then it followed up with a with a left hook that just put DC in a bad place, and it, it dropped him actually. And uh, Gus jumped on top and landed a couple of punches, but uh, Cormier was able to sprawl, get back to his knees, and uh, and and then get back up to his feet to avoid the uh, stoppage. Yes. Now, the hard part for me, Kev, is you know I bet on Cormier on my own betting lines for uh, First Slice. If you guys haven't read it, go read it. I'm guessing it's actually that really good. the hard part. Uh, but the hard part was I I picked Cormier, but I, I was really rooting for Gustafsson. And when I saw in that third round, he was coming back to life where it looked like he was kind of out and he was fighting back with all of his heart and it looked like he connected with that knee. I said, he's got to finish him here. If he doesn't finish him here, DC is going to decision him. Do and, you agree with the decision? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I actually there there were some some fighters who I saw later on who said they had it four one DC, and I don't agree with that. It was a three two fight, and I think the hard part is people really forget that sometimes really great fights will include great rounds where one fighter is maybe so lopsidedly ahead, maybe just on significant strikes. Uh, where it's not a 10-8 round, but that you can tell that person won in that round, that it sometimes carries over to make it seem like they were winning for more of the fight. I think the thing that's hard to remember is when you're going round by round, it is a little bit more argumentative. So that's where the subjectivity comes in, and that's where you see, oh, I don't know, maybe Gus is 1-1 with him. Maybe they're 2-2. So going into that fifth round, I knew DC's wrestling was going to be the thing that he falls back on because wrestlers are fucking tough. Yeah, so he, especially he just, in those later rounds. You can't blame him. And he dug in deep, and, and he found the way. And Well, it's dumb as fuck to get in a striking war in the late rounds with Gustafsson. Well, that's not necessarily true because, uh, and Jesse, back me up here. What did you see that DC did that was the best against Gustafsson? I have my own idea of what I thought he did exceptionally well. Man, that's a that's a thought provoking question. I wasn't quite prepared for that. So kudos to you for making my brain work that hard. But uh, on the spot to answer that, I I think it's really just kind of weathering the storm because, like you said, I mean, when you get into those striking wars in, in the late rounds, especially with someone with that ridge like Gustafson, uh, even specifically striking against Gustafson, it's just it's something that you don't want to get involved in, and I, I felt that Cormier was able to withstand that and still press forward to still take some rounds. Thank you. And I do take that as a compliment, but really um, catching you by surprise and really confusing you is... It's a, it's an ongoing theme in my life. Well, I think that it's the equivalent of a Highlights Magazine puzzle, but, I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Uh, now, I want you to look at your – did you get the thing that I sent you over your way? I I did. I did, And yes. what did I send you, and have you looked at it yet? I, it was a Ric Flair wedding entrance. And what happened? 
I, I didn't get quite that far yet because I didn't want to, to have it queued up with the music and have a blast out real loud. But, oh, no, that's the point uh, here. I'm, I'm totally worth it as a primary producer on this show. Oh, so you, you, you want the full music blast then? Well, you can turn it down. You don't have to be an animal about it. This is great radio. Thank you. So Tune what's in to verbaltapcast.com for... Here's the thing. Kevin and... doesn't have a heart for this, so he has no idea what's happening. But I can appreciate the wedding business. Well, it's uh, it's, your, it's your general wedding uh, entrance with the uh, the groom walking out to Ric Flair's entrance music and wearing a Ric Flair-esque robe and giving some Ric Flair woos. I mean, it's pretty much the greatest wedding entrance I've ever seen. It's fairly it's spectacular. Yeah, it's pretty reminiscent to, to what I was doing Saturday night. <laughs> So the only thing I'll say about this, so you guys can look at it, uh, I think Mick Foley put it up, but uh, it's making the rounds right now. It's uh, Ric Flair wedding entrance. It's very, very funny. This man, I mean, he just looks so happy. He's in the Ric Flair robe. He's strutting. But here's the thing. There's a little bit of styling, just not enough profiling. So that's my one complaint on that one. Uh, Kev, my thing to you is this. It, when you were watching this fight, you really felt a sense that it was terrible to watch Gustafsson be in two supremely close fights at a championship level. Having not seen this fight, Kevin, and having seen the fight with him and John Jones, yeah. what is your reaction to Gustafsson as a fighter, and what would you like to know more about this fight in terms of how close it was? I guess, and here's my general uh, conundrum with Gustafsson, because I'm on the record as enjoying his fighting. He doesn't have, doesn't seem to have that either killer instinct when you need it against someone like Daniel Cormier, as you were talking about with the knee. And that's kind of what you noticed against John Jones sometimes. It's like to beat those that caliber of fighter, you have to kick it in. You just have to. And he's never seemed to have it. He seems to have all the physical tools. So I guess my question is, um, over the first two rounds, it sounds like he showed some latency. Is that latency latency what cost him? And was it that similar sort of, he just goes into this weird, I'm only going to counter and get knocked mode? Jesse? I'm, I, don't, I don't know if... if um if that's too far off from being a, a very good point, because I, I was kind of agreeing with you on the line of it. It just doesn't seem like he has that killer instinct. I mean, the guy does somehow, uh, I mean, I don't want to say somehow to make it uh, or downplay it that he pulls off wins because the guy assembled a lot, but now he's on a three fight win streak or, or three fight losing streak. And you got to kind of wonder where does he go from here? I mean, what, what's, what's the next fight for him? Because, put him into the big show and into the main event and it seems like he crumbles so i don't know if it's maybe a pressure thing because he does have all the physical attributes but i mean i don't know what the guy has to do beyond all that to really get a win okay here's where i'm going to stop both of you kev in response to your latency i will say this about gus 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 is one of the best fighters and you have to keep in mind he's losing to the champion in both instances Two very different. No, not Tyrone Woodley. You're thinking another black guy. Oh, Rumble Johnson. Anthony Rumble Johnson. All right. Uh, The thing you really have to keep in mind here is 
you know, with Anthony Rumble Johnson, I think it's one of those cases where it's a little bit more of an anomaly. I think he got caught. I think it happens to fighters, and it hadn't happened to him in that violent a fashion, at least in the UFC's consideration. Now, when you look at that and you look at the fact that he's fighting and he has these two wars with Daniel Cormier, and then I guess if you want to take it in that same direction, Kev, he puts a better fight against Daniel Cormier than Anthony Rumble Johnson possibly could have or did. So in the same vein, you're looking at it, and it's a fascinating fight thing, and, and, and it's a great psyche. And I think the hardest part is I don't know that it's a killer switch. I just think that if you were to see where he had come back from in those first two rounds, and the thing that I really wanted to attribute to DC that I thought he did exceptionally well was in the clinch, Kev, to kind of get around Gus Gus's reach, he basically tied him down held one of his wrists and started hitting with violent uppercuts to Gus Gus's face Ooh, to the point it. where it was really, really starting to hit him with blows that did not make it look like he could take much more of those. And the stupid part is I've got so mad at Gus's corner because they didn't make that note and that adjustment. And I think that was making him take way more damage than he needed to. So if you ask me, I thought that was a little bit there and it wasn't quite something that they utilized enough. But in that third round, if I'm being very honest, I don't think it's a matter of, hey, he couldn't turn it on. I think it was, if you watch that tape, he was just already dead. And when he got that knee, I knew he couldn't capitalize on it in a way that he had just survived himself and caught a, a great break and, and was really trying to make the most of it but couldn't finish. So I don't know. I don't like the the conversation that says, you know, he's not a killer. He doesn't finish. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you look at it, he's got 50 minutes of championship fight that I don't think other fighters really have. So I think he's just been on the unfortunate side of two things, because I also saw somebody put up online that said he's the new gatekeeper of the division. And I would very much disagree with that. So that, those are my opinions. But go on. Jesse, do you have any differing ideas on that? No, I don't think he's a gatekeeper either, and I, I need to correct myself. He's actually not on a three-fight losing streak. I don't want to take away credibility from anybody because he did beat uh, Jimmy Manawal with a first-round finish but um, in between the Jones loss and the Rumble Johnson loss. But, I mean, he's far from a gatekeeper. That guy's top five. And, I mean, I, I think that division is so interesting right now because any one of those top five guys can really – have the belt at any given point without me being skeptical of a championship or, you know, or disputing it rather. And John Jones was watching. Jones was watching. Oh, we'll, we'll get there, Kev. Give us, give us a second to get to John Jones is watching. Cause I would hate to delete something unnecessarily if I didn't need to, (laughs) but um, I'll say this. One thing that Dana White said, and I definitely agree with, which is now we have to start looking at DC as one of the all-time greats. And I think that that performance was indicative of of a championship and a, a champion in itself. So I think we're at a really good place in terms of watching him and seeing where he goes. But since Kevin brought it up, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what John Jones's response was. Kev, did you see what he did? I saw that he posted that he was he missed it. Mm-hmm. And Jesse, if I were to ask you, 
how would you contextualize what it was that John Jones was doing in that video? I don't, it made me uncomfortable. Like I, I, I got sweaty armpits whenever he was looking at the camera and grinning and laughing. Um, I, I, I have to now sympathize even more with the fighters that get in the cage with him because if that's how he feels, just after not fighting for eight months, I mean, like, Lord have mercy, like I said, just his grin and the way he moved his eyes and kind of chuckling, it was just, it was overall an uncomfortable and unpleasant experience <laughs> for me watching that video. It looked like he was channeling an inner Batman villain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he just – he was staring at the camera and this is where I didn't know what to think of anything because I, I just heard somebody online say, uh, John Jones just deleted an Instagram. He's back. And I go, <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. And then I didn't really think it was going to be that bad. But out of curiosity, I saw it go up on one or two sites and I go, uh-oh, this isn't going to be good. And lo and behold, it was not because – He should stop doing drugs when he posts those videos. Well, Kev, you get to my point here, which is – Mm, I don't know. Mm, I miss it. Mm, and I started thinking, I was like, is he talking about cocaine? <laughs> like, I think he's talking about Coke is what he misses. And granted, I missed the first part where I was like, DC, mm, DC, I don't know. I don't know. Like, all of a sudden, he's turning into some weird Bobby De Niro caricature. <laughs> he also is probably court-ordered clean right now, I would think. One would hope, but that was indicative of the old John Jones. Yeah, and like, I unless don't he's know. done, he's like, I got three months till my next <laughs> test. Let's get wasted. And I don't know. I mean, obviously you're going to delete that because any one of your friends sends you a text after seeing that, you probably go, no, dude, you need to take that down. Hey, you need to seriously, make- it's too much. Kev, what would have been the message you would have sent to me if I put up an Instagram like that? Raph, are you feeling okay? Yeah, dude, I love it. Did you not love my new Instagram? Did you see a doctor today? And maybe for your for your hand, they gave you something to numb the pain. Wait, what? Are you telling me that I should possibly have have a few? Take it down for the love of fuck! I was giving Mm, you an out. mm, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. That's the part where I just click. I just hang up. I'd be done. (laughs) By this, I give I give friends one stern. Don't like take it down. Don't. Like don't do it. And once they're like, I'm doing it. It's like that is yeah, your I feel choice. Like we need to do a series of Instagram posts with just that footage of just <laughs> like it's about oh. us about to roll or something, and then you just see like you're about to start a sweep that's not going to work, and you just see John Jones going, mm, I don't know, I don't know, mm, DC. Don't know. <laughs> so look for those series coming up. Uh, anyway. So that'll do it on the uh, DC and uh, and uh, Gus Gus fight. Uh, any more notes from you guys on that? Can't wait to see it. No. <laughs> nah. And, and the thing is, is somebody asked Dana, they're like, so does Ryan Bader get the next shot? And Dana's like, don't fucking do that to me right now. I don't know what I'm fucking doing. Uh, which I thought was especially nice. I think Dana forgets that sometimes journalists have to ask questions, even the ones he has on payroll. So... The nice lady he has on Fox Sports 1, who I'm sure is hired by the UFC in some part, was like, so Dana White, what's going to happen? Is it going to be an immediate rematch or is it going to be John Jones or is it going to be Ryan Bader? And Dana White's like, I don't know. Are you fucking journalists? You just get on me. Are you are you pulling an Ariel Hawani as if Ariel Hawani is like the most ball busting journalist we have in this world. Uh, but Dana White seems to forget that sometimes journalists will ask just questions. 
So anyway, there's that, him off every time. I'll ask you, uh, Jesse, Ryan Bader's performance. What were your thoughts? I mean, he looked great. I mean, it was probably the best Ryan Bader that we've seen since the ultimate fighter. Um, his, his boxing was particularly a, a standout. Um, I saw a lot of comments about his footwork and uh, I agree with that. And, and, uh, he just was really impressive overall. I mean, he's, he's strung together a, maybe five or six wins. I mean, I really don't feel like he's beaten anybody to deserve an immediate title shot next. But, I mean, you could certainly make the case. But to uh, to your point, though, or to your question, his performance, and I, th- I think he was very impressive. I wouldn't be mad if he was next in line for a title shot. But, eh, beating a washed-up Rashad, I don't want to say it, an old washed-up Rashad isn't really moving the needle. He's well, going to get the title shot, and can I explain why? Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, what's the best way to keep D.C. in that position? <laughs> and what's the best way to keep John Jones posting on Instagram until, you know, the Nevada State Gaming Commission clears him because he's cleared the New Mexico State Penitentiary System? Mm, I don't know. I, I think I, I think I might, <laughs> if I may be so bold. I believe Ryan Bader will get that title shot after. I, I completely agree a washed-up Rashad is probably, and this is my question on this fight, how's Rashad, guys? How's he doing? That was not his best performance. <laughs> that's not a good. That's Raf's usually ov- overly nice about older fighters. Well, okay, I'm not a dick about it. Kev sees an older fighter trip in a fight, and he's like, "They're done. I, they're washed up." It's not that Ugh. I say they're washed up. It's like by the third time they trip and get knocked unconscious, science says they're done. But there, you know, it's always good to see Rashad back in the cage. I'd love to watch him fight Dan Henderson next, and I'm sure they're building to that. Maybe, but uh, yeah, and I will say this: I'm not a huge Ryan Bader fan. I like to make fun of him. I don't really have anything against him. I just think sometimes he says and does weird, unfortunate things. But uh, okay, yeah, I mean, it was it was a great performance. Um, you know, I haven't seen him like that in there, but Dana White shat on it very quickly back then. Dana White was like, yeah, he beat an old fucking uh, Rashad Evans, so, you know, who the fuck cares? Whatever. That's such, so. that's, he's such a hypocrite about these things, because, like, when people have knocked out Dan Henderson, he's been like, that's one of the greatest fucking fighters of all fucking time. Like, what a win. But Rashad, he's like, ah, oh, who gives a shit, Ryan? <laughs> Rashad sucks. God, I mean... Obviously, it sucks, but keep in mind, I mean, Dan Henderson is a pride legend. There's no getting around that. And Rashad Evans is a champion, but Dana White knows he needs to sell the next thing. So, yeah, sure, he's probably going to talk a little bit of shit so that Rashad gets his act together, gets a little bit more motivated. I I don't know. I don't really see it as the same sort of thing. Jesse? Well, it was Rashad's first fight in close to two years. Uh, leading up to that fight, there were a lot of screen pictures that came out for other people in the camp where Rashad was looking mighty hefty. And uh, those pictures heavily influenced my decision to go with Bader on, on my pick, uh, mostly because I don't think Bader has ever looked bad physically um, going into a fight or, or leading up to a fight. The guy is just I could hear the like romance in your house. And I agree. So, and then, like I said, Rashad coming off a two-year layover. I think ring rust is a real thing. The pictures of him just looking too fat. I just, it was just not, not a good math equation that would equal victory in Rashad's case, and that was evident by 
a Ryan Bader basically putting on a, a punching clinic on Saturday night. And proving he does have a little bit more to him than than there. So I, I think we'll we'll go with that. Kev, I do have a question to ask you. Yes. What would you say? Because you bet against our good friend Jesse over here, yeah? Correct. What would you say if you were to know that maybe, maybe when big breaking news hit about a certain series of fighters who were supposed to fight on the card, that Jesse sent me a text? What did the text say? Well, it said... If if I can do a Jesse accent, hold on. Let me see if I can channel sure. it real quick. Okay. Mm-hmm. I believe Johnny Hendricks's botched weight cut and subsequent withdrawal from UFC 192 counts as a win for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "LOL, scratch from the record, best out of 12." Jesse, I, I took a shot. Love. His his spirit. Okay, that's what but, I love. It, but what, what else? It starts with a, I love his spirit, but kind of a expression. But here, I fucking hate that rule. <laughs> but I'm glad justice was swiftly communicated. <laughs> Would you rather when he texted me? I just said mm, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I swear to God, this is my favorite thing in the world right now. It's really making me laugh for no reason. Uh, Kev, uh, what was your reaction when you heard the fight was canceled? Ah, uh, Big Rig, you know, just uh, boasting about how good he felt after that last victory. What's did he give a? I didn't. I didn't hear. Essentially, I didn't hear an explanation. He just Jesse. It. You want to feel this one? Uh, the official. Uh, reason why he pulled out of the fight was due to a kidney stone and intestinal blockage suffered during the weight cut. Uh, I believe that that kidney stone was potentially a ribeye from his own restaurant (laughs) and the blockage (laughs) being a a result of a jammed up baked potato. It's very good. You had it fully loaded. Uh, That's what you get when you fully loaded. My sources say a little bit uh, something different, Kevin. Do you know what they said? What? Uh, they said the official cause was uh, his nickname is Big Rig. Big Rig. It's like bragging. This guy is normally huge. Hey, Raph, is his name moderately sized Rig? Oop. I don't think it is. I don't know. I don't think it is, though. I would tell you this, Kev. He, for whatever reason, loves being bigger than he needs to be. And then dropping a ton of weight. And as you get older, you can't do that. So he was coming in, and this is according to reports, so what the fuck do I know? But let's treat it as fact. He was coming in at 26 pounds week of fight. We're talking Wednesday week of fight that he needs to cut down to. Woo! That, ladies and gentlemen, is a problem. Kev, if you came to me and said, Raph... We've talked about this. I know, but I would like to go it, through it It wasn't again. even 26 pounds. I know. I just want to make sure it is on record for those new people who may be listening. Maybe they don't know where we stand on this. But, Kev, <laughs> if you came up to me and you said... I'm Raph, overweight. Uh-huh. And? <laughs> like, 
and the weigh-ins in six hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I mean, it's more than fifteen, less than twenty. Mm-hmm. If I could ballpark it, uh, what do I do? I have to cut off one of your hands. Yeah, that's <laughs> the bigger one. Mm-hmm. Which one's bigger? Hold them up. Which one's your punching hand? Okay. okay. Uh, let's take the other one. Another Come one, on. please. Yeah. It was so disappointing to hear because it sounds like the UFC is not going to be putting him in contention for title shots. Uh, there's a lot of people who I know felt that he didn't lose a title. But could you imagine if he had been the champion and just been like, meh, came down with a case of the fats, guys? <laughs> uh, have you... I'm from Texas, where the barbecue's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like hits it with immediately. Uh, sucks for Tyrone Woodley. Kind of. And Jesse, why is it only kind of? Because Dana White likes to just aggregately throw out title shots to people nowadays. It seems um, nowadays uh, he's been doing yeah. that since he started. To be fair, uh, so Johnny Hendricks doesn't uh, doesn't compete. Dana White says, hey, you know what? I'll just uh, I'll just give you the next title shot. There, Tyrone Woodley. There wow. you go. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. <laughs> I didn't know it's we were allowing ones. other impressions here. Why did you turn Dana White into an Italian deli owner? <laughs> well, it was uh, – I panicked, and then I flexed. And then <laughs> he started talking. Yeah, that's the accent that came out. <laughs> I don't know. You guys want – what is it? You guys want some coleslaw on that? No, it's fine. I can put some in there. It's great. Come on, bring the family. Eh? That was vaguely what it sounded like. Anyway, okay. It's unfortunate. Tyrone Woodley. Yeah, they kind of did promise him, but then they didn't because Dana White walked it back, and he's like, "I'm not promising people any fucking more. What are we gonna fucking do with this guy?" So, okay, great. Tyrone Woodley. And some more Tate just laughs. Yes, <laughs> especially if you saw our meme, which I did. Thank you. It's funny. You're welcome. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, I would say this. I would say if he does get a title shot from here, it would be the weirdest set of circumstances that has helped to get him there. Because you take the Condit fight plus this fight. It's just weird that he would keep getting elevated. I think he needs at least one or two more fights before I would see him in there. Kev? Yeah, screw it. Throw him in there. What's more fun than that? <sighs> fine, hey, fine, if Fatty see. can't make it to the table <laughs> or could make it to the table, can't make it to the cage. Yeah, I was about to say that. Sounds Ty- Tyron gets the shot. I love it. Fatty can't make I mean, it to guys, the table. <laughs> do you guys think that the, the fight being held in Texas is, is uh, a potential reason why Hendricks couldn't make weight because he just couldn't get away from all like the big Texas barbecue? Like if this fight was like somewhere else, right, where he had to travel out of state, maybe they could have got him away from some home cooking a little Wait, bit. Wait, maybe but... somewhere where the diet's more lean, like a Mediterranean fight. That's Jesse. I don't know if you've talked to any corner people about this. They get their fighters booked, but you might want to call, especially the ones that miss weight frequently. It's a great idea. Okay. Like you don't want to go fight in Austin, Texas. No way. Or Madison, Wisconsin, where the diet's just no. cheese and beer. Like you don't want. Are we trying to instigate a barbecue gate here? Is that what we're doing? I just think he posited a very important theory, and we're talking mm-hmm. about it. Okay. 
because I, I just feel like somebody would have offered Big Rig like watermelon, and then he looks across at played across from him and it's a big JC Porterhouse and he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I miss it. Yeah, no, he definitely you know, he he does not miss it because he just put it in his mouth the whole time. I'll say this, you guys. Uh it sucks that happened. Uh I will say there was one redeeming quality, Kevin, which is I was doing the write up uh for the site. Uh, for first slice on this. Uh, so basically this week I took on Sam Alvey. I, I don't want to give away the results. I won. No big. Uh, but the nice part about seeing that result. Class act up, as usual, Raph. Class. It's called having integrity and class, Kev. Try mm-hmm. it. But the thing about it is when I got to see that result that the fight wasn't going to happen, it saved me the time I would have had to do in transcribing that part of the interview. So I was kind of relieved. I'm not going to lie. Good for you. So thank you. You're <laughs> thank you, Big Rig, for having yeah. the kindness in your heart to get out of the fight with just enough time. To just say yes to dessert. Exactly. Say yes to dessert. Hashtag. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the other fights. Uh, Sean Jordan versus Ruslan Maganimov. Uh Kev, all you need to know about this fight is Sean Jordan, very, very beast kind of a dude. He basically, I think he broke his rib mid-fight. Ew. Yeah. I think he told his corner, and uh, this is what Joe Rogan kept saying, uh, he told his corner, oh, I think my rib's broken, meh, uh, ow. That happened in the first round. <laughs> I hope he said it differently. I hope I'm he was like, sure exactly I just it. farted and I'm about to cry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have a broken rib. My God. Uh, so that was the way that that one went. Did you notice anything of... of importance here because mostly it was Ruslan at this point kind of playing a very tactical uh, stick and move kind of a game that wasn't super exciting but it was a smart win. Anything from you Jesse on that one? No I think you kind of covered it like you said it wasn't a whole lot to really write home about on this one. Sean Jordan did uh, get hurt early Maga Gometov just kind of played it safe. I think he realized that Sean Jordan was hurt and probably wasn't going to hit him with any sort of uh, athleticism that we've seen from him in the past and just really tried to ride it out and get the decision win and uh, that, that's what ended up happening. Which is some bullshit because if Kevin was hurt, I would not hesitate to take him down with that. Of course. Of course. I mean, but, hey, you got to smell blood. That's, well, yeah. I've been told early on this podcast that somebody like Gus Gus doesn't have that in him, so apparently that means championships. <laughs> Uh, Kev, what do you want to know about Joseph Benavides versus Ali Baganoush? How'd it go? Shocking. It was a decision. Normally that weight class finishes. Jess, what do you got on this? I'm, I, uh, I picked Baba Ganoush on that one because I felt that he was going to go over Benavides because I felt Benavides just didn't have anything to fight for anymore. But boy, was I wrong. Uh, Benavides came out and, uh, took, I believe it was a unanimous decision. And yeah. just kind of, kind of schooled Baba Ganoush there. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Baga Baga not not gonna get picked by me anymore. <laughs> I guess, but yeah, Benavides is always uh, a pretty solid fighter. Uh, not necessarily an impressive performance here, but a win nonetheless. I'll say for Ali, I think he got uh, Joseph Benavides down a couple times. It was some good timed wrestling takedowns. But Kev, much like your criticism of that division. Uh, Benavides was back up within seconds, like milliseconds after getting taken down. Like, I don't even know if those takedowns count because you just basically pounce back up. But that wasn't even the most significant portion 
of what happened, Kevin. Do you want to know the most significant moment of that entire uh, fight between those two? What? The post-fight interview with Joseph Benavides. <laughs> Was he feeling divish? He looked divish. So it's about this time we discover, as he's talking with Joe Rogan, that he says, whoa, whoa, don't boo me. No, guys, you can't boo me. You got to get in here and fight somebody like that. I mean, that's hard. Don't boo me. And it got really weird. Normally, I'm on the side of the fighters. It's like, yeah, you're right. Don't boo him. I mean, he's he's an athlete. You got to respect that. But when a fighter is calling for you and telling you, like, I command you not to boo me. How dare you? Do you know who I am? And then proceeds to tell us what's happening this week. He's saying that in six days from that fight that he is going to get married. So he's like, <laughs> I need to keep my face pretty so that I can get married in six days. And bone structure. Look at my bone structure. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Is Joseph Benavidez on whatever John Jones was on? Mm-hmm. We checked. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Right. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put moratorium on that joke. What happened to I Alan H- Hoban? Uh, the Joban? Yeah, uh, not very good things. That's surprising to me. He was one of those fighters that was like one fight away from getting bumped up. Nah, it was. Uh, let's put it this way: when you saw Tumanov's hits and the way that he was coming into this fight, you looked at Joban and you said, "Oh yeah, he doesn't want any of this." And mm-hmm. Tumanov caught him really, really well. So uh, that was good. Um, another kind of good, th- you know, Pena had a pretty good showing. Yeah. Uh, the Venezuelan the o- vixen. The only main problem is, is, you know, she she looked a little rough at the very beginning. Jessica, I was kind of getting the better of her. And then in the second round, she had kind of passed her and was kind of moving to take kind of side control, but was kind of working out of like a triangle, like a reverse triangle kind of a thing. And then all of a sudden, you see that when she pops out, Jessica I, out of instinct, and some people said it was more instinctual, knees her from the bottom in the face, and you cannot knee a downed opponent. No. So they took a point away from her. But Kev, not only did they take a point away from her, when <laughs> Pena was in a dominant position, they said, all right, stand back up. No way. Yep. I would say every jiu-jitsu person. Jesse, what were your thoughts on that? I immediately was wondering why it wasn't just a restart from the side control position. Just every jiu-jitsu person I know was losing their shit because it was like a a misunderstanding. It was a gross over-calculate, you, whatever you want to call it. It was an idiotic thing to do. And you have to figure that Peña had a very dominant position there. Uh, she still ended up winning the fight. I would ask you this, Jesse. Do you think she would have won the fight without that downed knee? Yeah, uh, I think Pena's was just on a different level than a lot of those other girls in that division. Um, I, I think she's probably the closest contender to giving uh, Rousey a, a run for the money. And I, I really don't think that Jessica is even close to uh, to getting that win from her, even without the point deduction, like you said. It was... Uh, it, more of a close note to that fight than anything. Yeah. So that happened. Uh, there was one thing I did want to bring up from the undercard. Kev, I also want to mention uh, Pettis did win. So I it was saw. nice to see him back in the winning column. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, do, we're Blake sure it was him fighting, not his brother? Can't tell you for sure. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah. not 100% on that one. But I can tell you, uh, after we reveal who 
one, there should be something that we note as a side kind of uh, fact. So, Jesse, you seem to be keeping score all night. I just want to hear if you kept it correctly. What you, you know were the results? Uh, I feel like I kept score correctly. Now, to be fair, I didn't write down all of my picks, but I, I've, I've had a lot of faith in my memory. And uh, I, I feel like I... I um, I remember them accurately and that I may have come out victorious. And how victorious? Like, what was the score? Oh, uh, you know what? You got to help me out there because I don't remember offhand. Oh, my God. I know it was close, love... though. Yeah, it was pretty close. Jesus Christ. I like that you – this is when you know it's a fight night and it's on the East Coast and he's been drinking because he's like, hey, guys, uh, it looks like the score is starting to close up between me and Kevin. Just keep a lookout. And I'm thinking like, oh, maybe he knows what the score is. No, clearly he does not. Kev, would you like to know the score? Always. He was right. You get, you were closing the distance because he did have a lead over you at the very beginning. And you yep. were making a comeback in the main fights. However, you what fell upsets. to him. What upsets? Six to five. Yeah. It was six to five. Jesse. Jesse, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I, w- I would like to thank uh, Derek the Black Beast Lewis, Sage the Zach Morris Northcutt, et all. Yeah. Et all. All that you can't remember. Hey. Right. So while we're on that subject, Kev, I don't know if you remember, but there may have been a parlay bet. With the Pettis? No. What? There was a parlay bet with the Namahunas and Angela Hill fight. That one's tough, especially okay. with the standing rear naked choke. And I'm sorry, Jesse, what would you call that in pro wrestling? A sleeper hold. You would, wouldn't you? And I would. did you or did you not say on our podcast that that fight would end via sleeper hold? I believe that you are correct, sir, and I did. You did. So, in addition to what what did Kevin lose here? Well, Kevin has not lost anything. What he has won is the opportunity to wear a T-shirt of my design, not necessarily construction, uh, to be worn in a YouTube tribute video to myself and all of the white belt survival community where he shall share his most embarrassing or at least one of the most embarrassing stories from his white belt career. And it will come with a uh, a photo to be placed on all social media. Uh, also detailing to check out the video. <laughs> it almost sounded like you were going to make up more stuff to put into this. And I, I know. Like, at the second point, I was it. like, wait, what was that last one? Did I agree to that part? <laughs> um, also, the, the parlay meant that Kevin also has to wear a Burger King hat right, uh, right, at some right. point. I don't know if it's necessarily in the video, Kev. That's at your disposal. I still are we. We're one hundred percent calling that the sleeper hold. Yeah, absolutely. Because Kev, I was <laughs> a little bit on the iffy side, okay, but it was a standing rear naked choke. Yeah, also known as the sleeper hold. Exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, Kev, I was honestly, I was kind of at that point where I said, nah. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to give it to him. And then I saw her starting to set up the standing rear naked choke, and I go, oh, yeah, that I can't. 
Okay. Thanks, right. Angela over Kill Hill. Big, uh, big help. Of the ways you could lose. Just well, that's good. And I'm glad that you accept your fate. Kev, uh, do you have any notes for your, your opponent here? Fuck Cormier. Fuck Bader. Uh, <laughs> definitely fuck Hooker. Um, I think I'm going to have to break up with Hoban's abs. And that's all I got. Well, both of you picked Joban. So there is that. Still. Okay. I didn't know that. I mean, I felt like you didn't have to break up with him, Kev. No, it's over. Okay, it's over. Uh, but on the bright side, you were one of the few people who picked Bader. Doesn't help. I'm just trying to make you feel better. You picked Benavides. I lost. And I there are did. some people that should not have. For example, uh, Derek Hatley, who scored the fight 49-46. Disagree. All right. Well, you've said enough. Uh, hey, Jesse. So now that you've done this and you've beaten Kevin like the rest of most of the people who have done this, do you have any advice, notes, uh, moments that you can share with him that maybe will help him in the future to try and win? Because here's the thing. You broke the streak. Not like it was an impressive one, but you broke it. Well, I just have to say to the next contestant of Over Under Kevin, just follow your heart. Uh, <laughs> you know, Don't necessarily, don't uh-huh. necessarily uh, have to play it smart. If you feel that there may be a sleeper hold that works out as a finish, <laughs> go with it. Go with your gut. Because if, if, if you just go with your gut instinct, I think I've proven here that that works 60% of the time. <laughs> 60% is maybe mm, it's a little a little misleading here. This is this is not a math podcast. Just trust me. Well, believe me. Most truer words. Truer words have not been spoken on this podcast. If you'd like to be exact, it's one out of two for you, but that's neither here nor there. Um well, Jesse, I mean, obviously it was a blast talking to you. Thank you so much for watching the fights and, and playing along with us. You were a blast to do uh, some Twitter back and forth with when I was watching the fights on Saturday night. Uh, if people are looking to find you, and I don't know why they would, but if they were, where would they go to find you? You could find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at WB Survival. The spelling of that, if you don't know, will be in the show notes, I hope. Probably not, but I would say this. You know, you're you're very funny. Uh, you put up a new blog post today. What was that about? Uh, it was just kind of a, a personal recap of the IBJJF Master Worlds that we talked about the uh, last podcast that I went to last weekend. Uh, it's part two in a blog post about jujitsu tournaments. The first part was non-IBJJF tournaments, and the second one, IBJJF tournaments, and the subtle differences in between. That's awesome. Uh, I hear great things about it. I'm never going to read it, but I will tell you, uh, it is a blast having you on the show. Uh, hey, we want to thank you for, for dropping in. And are you already prepping your next WWE? Why are we thanking him? Are why we? Ex- I, well, I'm not fully. Don't on behalf of the podcast. That thank you was singular, Jesse. It's not a problem. You can just go ahead and send me a slide into my DMs, like you're <sighs> going to send me your phone number. But you can just give me your address, and I'll make sure I get that shirt shirt to your priority wow that's a weird thing i can't believe you're one of the first guests to ever mention that you're going to do a self-addressed envelope kind of thing to kevin like you're going to (laughs) pay to lose that was the weirdest part of your whole thing 
if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. I was so excited and about putting this shirt together. Beat the man because I'm the man. Oh God, is that pro it, wrestling again, Raph? It is. It's yeah, right but it's botched, and it's also. Do you wait? But it's topical. It's a callback. It is, but are you trying to suggest that you're the man or that Kevin's the man? Because this situation, it just doesn't work. I agreed with everything he said. It finally made sense. And it's one of the first endorsements of pro wrestling for me, at least, Jesse. No, no, don't don't get it all twisted up in our context here. You're talking to the man here right now. I'm the man, as evidenced by my win and the subsequent pictures of Kevin in a Burger King crown. But you were saying that in order to be the man, you have to beat the man. So that's where we're trying and to figure out that part of the science. Well, mission accomplished today. I feel like I'm panicking and flexing. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just letting you I know. I don't that. know. What's a, what's a panic? That is the, that's the panic flex yeah, for, vo- you know. for vocal stuff. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't, I don't <laughs> know. That is I it. Like this, uh, Jesse. Uh, obviously, neither of you are the man, so I, I think we can all agree to that. But I would also okay. say I hope that you are – uh, putting together your WWE BJJ submission and starting to think about it because now that you've done it one year, we're going to expect uh-huh. you to top it this year. I I understand. And you know that this year, now that you've done it, you did a photo last time. You're going to have to do a video. You know that, right? Ooh, we're Ra- up in the ante. I like it. Raph started working on this year's before last year's. Absolutely. <laughs> no was- lie, Kev. I actually sent a note to Jimmy Quinlan and I was like. Hey man, uh, it's really funny. You looked really like your your WWE BJJ skills are slipping, and he was like, "Raf, my WWE BJJ skills are never slipping. I hope you know that." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you need to know that you need to get back to work on prepping for next year." She's like, "I already am." Okay, so you've got a <laughs> rally of lunatic jujitsu people, it also excited. So there you go, Jesse. Weeks ever for the podcast, so. Obviously, the masses and the millions. Nothing. And millions. There we go. It's on tape delay a little bit there. Uh, Are definitely coming in uh, for WWE BJJ Week. But, Jesse, thank you again so much. Jesse from WB Survival. Go check him out. Twitter, Facebook, and on the Instagram. He's good people. He will give you great advice. And uh, we want to thank you again for stopping in. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Jesse, you rock. I can't believe I lost again, by the way. I'm not pleased about this. And I've done so many white belt things. The only the only stress I feel is which story will I tell about being a terrible white belt? Will I tell it as a blue belt? As like, there's so many. Oh, I, I had one that I thought you were going to do, but I don't know. Okay, well, le- we'll leave a little air of suspense. We will. Speaking of suspense, I've decided to start providing people with the dates of events going on. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to start with, in my opinion, the premiere event left in October. We're just going to do it via the month, just give people a reminder. Okay. Traditionally, I'll try and do it on the in the beginning of months with some reminders. On the 18th of October, the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam Jiu-Jitsu Tour hits Los Angeles, which I believe you live, right? Is that still the... Uh, I believe so, yes. Do you know where Azusa Pacific University is? <laughs> yes, I do. That's great news. And do you <laughs> want to tell the people why? 
Uh, I don't know. Um, I think there, well, there is something happening there. I'll start there. Uh, I think, I don't, I don't know, Kev, like, is there something happening there? I don't know. You might be commentating for a little, you know, ADCC Grand Slam Jiu Jitsu tour, true or false? Uh, sometimes, but not always. I don't know. I mean, along with friend of the podcast, John Evans from BJJ Breakdown. I'll just say this, Kev. Getting the old band back together. Obviously, and it would be a blast to do it. It looks like we will be doing it. Um, but I think AJ has just changed the game. I just, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. Well, you, <laughs> I just study the tape. You know, study okay. the tape. Find that You're hot right. magic. You're right. Study <laughs> you. Anyone can can find that. Uh, you can. Yes. No. We will. You and Jim Carrey. Me and Jim no Carrey. Uh, me and Jevons, John Evans from Breakdown Academy, uh, are right now going to be doing uh, commentary for the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam. We're very excited. It's the nice chance to check in with you guys after what was a very fun Nawaza challenge. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm excited to do it. It's a very nice thing that they uh, they seem to like the work that John and I do. And we're obviously big fans of them. So, you know, we're, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a really fun time. So uh, October 18th, we hope you guys will tune in. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a blast. I'm stoked. I'll be watching. And will people out there the 18th of October? Yes. And, Kev, I'm so happy to report. It is going to be a free stream. No way. Yeah. Oh. That really makes me happy because, uh, you know, I mean, it was going to be rough if I was like, hey, fans of the show that I'm normally doing free things for. Pay to watch this. BS pay to hear and me listen talk. to me. <laughs> but more so to see those guys. Do Which those we things. would have gladly done to I tune so. into prize commentary from. The Raph Jevons. Well, the Jevons is going to be so happy to hear you say that. But Crazy uh, Revens. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, October 18th. Look for it. It's the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam. The it's night. It's going to be Sorry, awesome. go ahead. I thought it was one sentence off. I was trying to seamlessly go. The night before mm-hmm. World Series of Fighting 24, mm-hmm. bitch versus Okami. Yes. Stoked. Um, we might have a friend fighting on that fight. I think we do. And then I'm just cruising right along, by the way. Okay. Uh, we've got a little UFC fight night. Duffy versus Poirier. Can't wait. Friday, right before that, October 23rd, Galvão versus Dantas 2. It's Bellator 144. That's going to take us out of October. There's almost nothing left. Yeah. Tons of IBJJF events. The Seattle International Open, which should be the most peaceful jiu-jitsu competition (laughs) in the world. (laughs) uh, It's fun every time. Mm. Uh, The Miami International Open is going too. Some of the KCBJJ guys go to that, which is a great segue to shout outs. Where I'll say I hope they do well. Yup. I've got some shout outs. I'll start. Uh, went up to Breckenridge 
so big shout out to my friend Kevin Meckley did a lot of planning and house hunting. He sent me like 32 links. <laughs> uh, we'd been planning a friend vacation because I finally finished all the moving stuff. All done with that now, Raph. Good. Except a broken vanity of my girlfriend's. I have to get back from the moving company. Not Different podcast. Different podcast. Yeah. And scheduled surgery. October yeah. 16th. I'm going under the old... Um, uh, arthroscopic machine, whatever that is. Is that a knife? There's like a laser um, involved. Yeah, there's definitely at least nine lasers involved. I was strictly admonished from doing jujitsu. He was not pleased I had been doing it. He said no more. Ever? No, for until 12 weeks uh, after the surgery, pending recovery. It could be 10 to 12 weeks. So you're going to be back come 2016 then? Mostly, yeah. That would probably dial me out for a good chunk of the rest of the year. Okay. Jeez, I hadn't thought about it in terms of years. Thanks, Ref. Uh, well, shot in the pills. Hey, look. One of us has to think because what we can do, Kev, is you know for um, Christmas you get Advent kind yeah. of things that yeah. you can open and do that. Like, Maybe we get you one of those for jiu-jitsu. For and like training. every day yeah. you open up. And it's a different technique explained that you would be training that day. Uh, I'm going to delete this from the podcast so we can make a jujitsu admin calendar <laughs> calendar, and sell it like hotcakes. Absolutely. Uh, and that's going to do it for me on the shout outs. <laughs> Not shouting out the moving company. That's for sure. Oh, God. That's so sad. Every time you told me something happening with the moving, I just... I have nothing left to say to you other than that sucks. I was told by the by my company that, that brought me out here that this was like the worst moving experience they've ever seen. Wow. It's like it felt bad. Well, well congratulations. I mean, at least that prize went. Yeah. Together. And at the end of it, knee surgery. So I'm the big winner in 2015. You're the winner. Congratulations. Good for you, Kev. Thank you. Um, OK, let's go ahead and start shout outs with. Valley Martial Arts Center. Vo, 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 back. Be back. You know, Kevin was alluding, I mean, to earlier, uh, the fact that my, my thumb, it just, it sucks right now. I think I sprained it. I could hear that little, you know, thing. And yeah. Oh, it's, it's terrifying. Like now I'm afraid to just roll with anybody. Now I'm just like, oh God, I just need to survive and not. Use my hands. And I don't know if you know this, Kev. Grip's kind of important in jiu-jitsu. You know, uh, I remember a friend of mine doing something about grips. Mm-hmm. Something with jiu-jitsu. It'll come to me. Yep, absolutely. That's I jit-scripped so Yay. hard. <laughs> You're a jit-scripper. doesn't work anymore. You're a, you are a filthy jit-scripper. Yep, yep. There you have it. Anyway. Ah, so it was fun to train. I went to go train to open mat on Sunday. Saw some good friends there. Uh, I mean, great training. Uh, I just felt like a, a pinata when I can't grip or anything. And then it's one of those great experiences, though, where it does teach you to do other stuff that you're not really used to doing. So in some ways, it is nicely uh, taking me out of my comfort zone. So for that respect, I say that's awesome. Your comfort was, zone of using your hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was out of my comfort zone of using my left knee. It was great. <laughs> no planting. Sure. Really I brought mean, me out of my comfort zone. I'll tell you this much. It's been difficult to really talk about my thumb, which, if I'm being really honest, 
in the time that I talked with Kevin before we did this podcast, where I was like, I don't know, it's feeling kind of shitty. It actually felt much better for oh, whatever reason in good. like well, six jams. hours time. It's you're hoping it's not broken still. Yes, because it's been about a week. And it's in that murky stage where yeah, you, like, it oh, either goes oh. away or it does not go away. Oh, man, we're really counting on this week to pull us up a notch. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to take it easy, wear the brace. I look like I put on this glove and it looks like a cross between Michael Jackson's bad glove or uh, like I'm a really badass cyclist who just really is committed. And, and refuses to take it off. That's awesome. I was gonna say, and that's my favorite jujitsu person. I was like, I gotta, I gotta keep my grip cycle. Safe. Yeah, definitely. So there's that, and it's you know, it's different. It's not exactly the way I would have uh, imagined uh, things to work out for me, but it is what it is. And uh, making the most of it. But I also want to give a shout out to Breakdown Academy. My good friend Timmy, Timmy Gone, uh, came down to train with me. Timmy's a, he's a big guy. He's about 6'3". He looks like a rude French waiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taekwondo black belt. He's awesome. I mean, he's been training a whole bunch. And, uh, you know, it's really fun to train with him and to exchange ideas because he comes from a different background. Having the Taekwondo, it's a completely different discipline. But the way that you can loan between the two is surprisingly cool. So uh, using his natural athleticism, he's able to do a whole bunch of things that are really, really quick and I was able to actually teach him two different sweeps that I was like, why am I teaching him this? <laughs> like, what is, he doesn't do need any of this. This is, this is dumb and terrible. I'm not going to teach him anything. <laughs> All right. Uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> always a blast to roll and train with him. And uh, yeah, I want to uh, send a shout out to Sam Alvey, who did a really, really cool uh, betting lines with me over at First Slice. And like I told Kevin, I did end up winning. And I want to tell you what he was trying to pull here, okay? So you know how when you come up with the bets, yeah, things can go all over the place, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. What do you think he was trying to bet me? Well, um... Smiling Sam Alvey. I bet he was trying to a drinking contest. I wish. Like a shots thing? What was he trying to bet you? He was saying, Raph, I bet you. If I win, you have to get dressed up like a Pokemon character. No way. And I was like, what the shit? Why are you all you nerds fighting? Yeah, I, it really is astonishing. So many nerds have chosen the fighting. Like, wasn't the whole point of getting beat up in fucking grade school to stop you from becoming fighters i certainly like, remember that being the point they just didn't do their job so to all the bullies back then you failed yeah you're just doing a shitty job or a tremendous job we'll let you know in 10 or 15 years exactly we don't know well more to come anyway so yes there's that um but i ended up winning but yes he wanted me to dress up like a pokemon character and our counter kev was that he has to do, and now that we won, and I say we because this benefits you, he has a podcast. And he now has to do three commercials for both my writing at First Slice and for Verbal Tap. Is he doing it to be mean to me? Did no, he not I mean, like no, 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 no. I didn't say be mean to Kevin, though in retrospect I should have. I yeah. said he has to cut three commercials about our show on why we're so good. 
I think that's amazing. And that shouldn't be hard for him. No. Because he's already speaking in, like, platitudes most of the time. Like, you guys are great. Oh, man, smiles. Oh, I love love. But I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> so there is that. Uh, he is very say, smiley, by the way. He is super he's smiley. Smiley guy. One of the nicest guys we know. So I want to say thank you to him. Uh, thank you to Jesse. Thank you to everybody who shared the article this week. I really, really appreciate it. It is super helpful. And the guys over at my job are so pleased with how these things are going. It seems like we're going to be doing them for some time. So Woo! Uh, very excited. And uh, I guess my last shout out, I just want to say a quick shout out to uh, I had my grandpa pass away a couple weeks ago and uh, he lived to be 95. So it's not one of those. Oh, we didn't see it's coming. You know, it, he got to live a very, very good life. And if I could tell one quick story about him, it would be this is that my grandpa shared my love of going to Vegas. So anytime I would see him, you know, he came to this country a long time ago and uh, he became a naturalized citizen in the 80s. And he would always love going to Vegas. He loved traveling. He loved politics. He was very, very, very smart. Uh, You know, he never had a job that paid him more than $10, but he provided for a family of nine. And he taught himself how to read. He didn't really go through grade school all that much. But he was always sharp and always wanted to talk. And even as he got older, you know, right up to the very end, he would have very clear and precise conversations with me. But one of the things that I always loved so much was he would always ask me, he'd be like, hey, Raphael. And I go, yes, Grandpa, what is it? He goes, you go to Vegas soon? And I go, <laughs> uh, Grandpa, I mean, probably. I'm not going to lie. And he goes, Mio, what are you going to play? You go to Vegas. And I go, Grandpa, I got to go to blackjack tables first. You got to start there. You got to make a little bit of money and then you go to the poker tables. And he goes, Oh, he's so smart, Mio. Oh, so, so smart. So it didn't matter anytime I saw him. His first question to me would always be, Are you going to Vegas? And I guess the second smaller story is uh, one of the funnier things about him. He had a really good relationship with my dad. And he would always, when he would see me, he would be like, Little Raphael, because my dad's name's Ralph. He would go, Little Raphael, come here. And I'm like, Yeah. And he goes, Little Ralph, um, give this to your papa. And he would just punch up in like a little napkin a chili because none of his sons could really handle spicy food. <laughs> but my dad could. And that became their way of communicating with each other. So if my dad wasn't at an event, he would put in a little napkin, he would put a chili in there, and he would hand it to me, and he goes, Raphael, give it to, give it to big Raphael. And I would be like, okay, I'll give it to him. I go home, and I would unwrap it, and my dad goes, ah, God, thank God I was eating this, and it needed a chili. God damn it. All right. And he'd start eating it, and uh, it was one of the funnier, uh, I guess, exchanges that you would see between the two. But uh, my grandpa, like I said, he lived to be 95. He was a good, good guy. And uh, I just want to say to him, thank you so much for everything and not only for raising me and and being a very, very formative person in my life, but a good example of, I think, what it is a a good person does in providing for their family and showing how to make family first. So to Vicente Lopez, thank you very much. And uh, I, I would say this. This is the funniest thing you would do. He would always call and wish everybody a happy birthday and sing in Spanish. So I think uh, for years to come, I will be calling people and uh, mangling Spanish in birthday song. So thank you very much. 
looking forward to that. Well, not to you, though. Oh, okay. Well, just everybody else. That's going to do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap 95. We should all be so lucky. That's going to do it for us. Good night. And good fight. Thank <laughs> you.